Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad that you're here. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at our Life Church Guys Retreat that took place in February of 2022. The sermons are a three-part series on community, accountability, and responsibility. This first sermon is from myself, Pastor Keith, on the subject of community and stepping into your calling. This particular sermon is titled, Stand and Deliver. So, it's a storm going on. It's supposed to be flurries. Turned out to be kind of a storm. Um, and when we, when we were figuring out what we're doing for the weekend, right? Like, we've had guys' retreats before, right? We've had guys' retreats. When we're figuring out what we're doing for the weekend, we're like, do we do what we used to do, or do we do something a little bit different? It, uh, it coincided that uh, me and a couple other people started a life group uh, the first week in January last year, and it has developed into, um, I don't know, just a, a different way for different way to do life, right? I think it was what, when you think of a life, everyone knows what a life group is here. Maybe, maybe not the dudes that come to Life Church, but a life group's just like what your table is right now. Like what you guys do at the gym, right? You have a group of dudes and y'all hold yourselves accountable and uh, you're friends and you care for each other. Um, well, that's kind of like what a life group is. And, and Thursday nights, it's turned into like this, I think what, what life groups were designed to be, right? The one thing that, that's brought up a lot, uh, myself included, is the, uh, I, I didn't know that I, was, I needed something like this until I've experienced something like this. A general theme of community or lack thereof. We're, we're, all, like, we're all like searching for something, right? If y'all weren't searching for something, you wouldn't have gotten in your cars and drove two hours in a snowstorm. Right? So, like, this is the easiest win, right? Like, so if, if I'm, if I'm going to close you on anything, like community or friendship or life, or it's like, I already know who my sale target is. I, you guys already have the product in front of you, and this should be the easiest close there ever is. So community. It's a group of people who live in the same area, such as a city, town, or neighborhood, and or share similar interests. That is the Webster definition of the word Community. A group of people who live in the same area, such as a city, town, or neighborhood, and share similar interests. Men today, 2022, um, does society, like, does it advocate for community? Like, how many guys here, show of hands, how many guys, like, think that they're a part of something? Like, are you a part of a community? Yeah, I think you guys are. Come on, you guys are? Sure. All y'all that are looking at me, though, like, I see it too. I see it. I see my friends all across the room, like, if you, don't, if you don't know the answer to that, you're probably not. And that's cool. That's fine. For the last hundred years, and I've been, well, I've been talking about this with, with some people, for the last hundred years or so, oh, maybe 200 years, we'll say a hundred years just to be safe. Somewhere along the line, in the hundred years, guys stop being like what God designed them to be. They, they stopped leading their families spiritually. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of dudes that don't know their kids. We are, we are like in this, this last hundred years of 
being dudes, and we, we just, we, we, stop, we stop fundamentally doing what guys are supposed to do by leading their families, leading them spiritually. Now, when I say leading your family spiritually, do y'all know what that means? Show of hands. And this is going to be, I'm going to raise mine because it was totally me too. Whose wife brought them to church? That's a lot. Was, was the wife's design, was, was that ever her responsibility? No, the Bible's pretty clear that that's our responsibility. We're the men of the households. We set the tone for our families. But somewhere along the line, dudes just stop being dudes. Don't know why. And women have been doing this, being the man and the, and, 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 and the woman of a house for a hundred years or so. I was raised by a woman. She did the best she could. But that wasn't her job. The Bible's pretty clear on the things that a woman should do and a man should do. I feel like in this last year, particularly at Life Church, something's changing. The, 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 the thermometer's changing. The temperature's changing. You know, I, I see dudes that are, want to be better. I see dudes that are hungry for something. I see dudes that, you know, I'm going to reference my life group a lot. It's like every, every week, guys are saying that, like, oh, I really needed this. And these dudes, you know, I'm 39 years old, so I've, I've lived a good, a good hunk of life. Some would say I'm rounding third and heading home on my life cycle. As I say that, it's, it's been this long in my life before I had something like that. So what was I doing for those first 38 years? Genesis chapter two says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. This is chapter two. So Genesis, what happened in the chapter one? I think it's about seven days has gone by. God's made the earth, made animals, water, seed bearing plants, makes man. Takes man and says, all right, I want you to just follow me. Whatever you name this thing, we'll call it. Can you imagine that like one dude just be like, cow, uh-huh. apple, <sighs> chicken. And then he realized that at the end of that naming process that uh, man was sad and he was alone. And then that's when God, who knows all, says, hey, you know what? You know, I wonder if he's talking to himself. You know what, God? I think the man shouldn't be alone. Let's fast forward about 10,000 years. And uh, the state of society today. Another show of hands. How many of y'all think that we're in the midst of a war spiritually? Easy sell, easy sell. Cool. The, the greatest thing the devil has ever done, and the devil's conniving and he's, he's pretty good at what he does. Greatest thing he ever did was convince an entire planet that he doesn't exist. And we're, so we're at war. If you don't believe we're at war, I don't, I don't think a person didn't raise their hand, but say you didn't. If you don't know you're, you're fighting a battle, you're, you're already losing, right? We're in the midst of this war. I think, and this is just from observation, a lot of my, a lot of the, I think, are my observations of life. I don't know. I don't know if there's validity in it, but it's just what I've observed. I think a lot of times, particularly in the last, my lifetime, people have a tendency to, of either blaming God or, or the enemy. You see what God just did to us, man. You know, did you see what God just did to us, man? Or did you see what the enemy just did to me? 
people tend to not like realize that the common denominator in like every one of your problems is you. It's like we 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 somewhere along the line have just like don't want to be held accountable anymore for our own bad decisions, for our own poor attitudes. God, God is definitely God is definitely at play sometimes. The enemy is definitely at play sometimes. I think in my experience, uh, the times where I think the enemy is is at war with me, I'm giving credit to the enemy and he shouldn't be getting credit at all. It's either myself that's wreaking problems with myself or it's God slowly teaching me a lesson, right? Slowly teaching me a lesson. Either way, we're at this war, this precipice. We're finishing up this series called Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. It's an epistle that Paul wrote. Last week, last Sunday, we had a message on uh, chapter six, the meat, the, the, the meat and potatoes of it. So chapter six, I'm going to start at verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So in this portion of this letter, he says, you're, gonna, you're, you're at your war, right? And I have some things that if you use, if you elect to use, uh, will help you in this battle. Some truth, righteousness comes from this breastplate, peace strapped on the feet, shield of faith, blocking arrows. I, as I visualize that, as I say it out loud, like you see this, 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 this armor being put on. person puts on this armor as if to go to battle. And, and, the, and nowhere then in this, in, this, in, this, in this section does he say this, and this is how we're going to attack. Right? Nowhere, nowhere in that does he, is he going, here's how we battle. Here's how we're going to fight. No, 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 no. Verse 14, he says, stand firm. Stand, stand firm then. Stand, just stand, just stand and just stand there and you're, you're, you got everything you need. I will protect you, just stand. So when I heard that on Sunday, right? Stand, it, it got me to thinking about what I wanna, what I wanna talk to you guys tonight. Um, in a message I'm gonna call Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the guys in this room. Thank you that, oh my gosh, why is it snowing? But thank you that everyone got here safe-ish. Um, I know myself, I was, I was kind of like a, a little nervous. Um, and then I, I remember praying, talking to you earlier today, and, and you just kept saying, it's, I got this. Trust me, I know, what, I know what's going on here. So I thank you that my friends got here safely. I thank you for really good food. Um, I pray that what happens tonight, what happens tomorrow, will light a fire in these dudes that we stop fighting you and we stop fighting fights that just don't need to be fought. And that every one of these dudes goes home and be better fathers and be better brothers and better neighbors and better employees, better men. 
I thank you and I love you. We thank you. We love you. We ask this all in your name. Amen. So community, my whole life I've had friends. Uh, some people are chameleon by nature, uh, and that's me. I've, I've never had a hard time meeting people. Uh, I've never had a hard time gaining someone's trust. I've never had a hard time. I wasn't never picked last in sports. Uh, always had girlfriends. Uh, the human relation portion of life was always very, very easy for me. I can tell you, though, uh, most of my life I've felt incredibly alone in every room I've ever been in. I'm a pastor now. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, there was, uh, some of y'all don't know me. Like, y'all, y'all know, like, know of me. Like, I know of you, but I don't know you. I, this, I wasn't on a path to this. This wasn't, uh, it wasn't something I dreamed of when I was six years old. So in order for, I, I think in order for me to really like explain where I'm at and what community has done for me, I should probably tell you who I am. Well, I'll start by saying the Bible, the Bible, the, the heavy players in the Bible, they are, they're rarely the people that are, are most expected to be good people. It's, the Bible is, is just, it's, it's riddled with unlikely candidates to fulfill God's will. Now, when you think of like all the, the heavy hitters of the Bible, like the Mount Rushmore of, of the word, uh, you think, well, these are good dudes. They're the book full of murderers and liars and thieves, adulterers, doubters. And, and I'm reminded when I, when, I real, when, I, when I look into it that God like only has sinners to work with, right? He doesn't have, that's it. God just has sinners to work with. And he has this unusual knack of, of really using the most unlikely and most underqualified people to do his, his will, his miraculous stunts. That's important for me to remember because, well, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't a pastor my whole life. I, I, for what you, what you say, I, I came to the, the Christ game late. I was raised Catholic, um, whatever that means. I was confirmed at a first communion, reconciliation, but I, I didn't know Christ. I mean, I didn't. Life didn't start great for me. It wasn't awesome. Um, I come from a long line of, uh, of addicts and alcoholics and wife beaters and people that are in jail. Uh, my, my father passed away when I was five. And in, in his passing, he, uh, he, he killed another person and uh, uh, in a bad drunken driving accident where he, and that screwed me up, I guess. It screwed me up pretty good. It screwed my brother up pretty good. It screwed my mom up pretty good. So there, there, there I was, five years old, my brother a few years older than me. My mom was a high school dropout, and she had two kids. And uh, so my dad dies, and I have, a, I have a side of my family in Long Beach at this time in L.A. that, that I guess would love me, but was not really around. And my father's side of the family that lived on the reservation uh, after that didn't want anything to do with me. Uh, me or my mom or my brother. So I kind of grew up not knowing what was what. I learned pretty quickly how to like lie 
And I say lie by, like, I learned how to lie to get people like me. But they weren't like lies. They were just pretending to be something I wasn't. You know? When you, when you go through an entire life of just being a chameleon, of just, just blending, like, talk to the gym guys. I can talk to the gym guys, sure. Yeah. Talk to this group of people. I can talk to that group of people. Yeah. Yeah, I can get them all to like me. Yeah. Um, you quickly acquire a lot of friends. And they're honest friendships. You know, they're honest friendships. But um, I wasn't fulfilled. And, uh, I, and I was terribly lonely. I realize that as I tell you my story, my story isn't unique. It's not like, I don't know. It's not. Everything I did then from the, from the moment of being like six years old to the, to the moment where I came to Christ at 19, um, there was a lot of sin. But it, I didn't do anything that like needed a, like a, a word invented for, you know? I, it's common sin. I, 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 too, fell into the generational pattern of being an addict, uh, did a lot of drugs, became addict. My first stint in rehab, I was like 16. Most 16-year-olds do that, right? Uh, quickly became, had, a, had a, a pretty pricey addiction that I had to start selling drugs to fulfill that addiction. So I sold drugs for a few years, got pinned. I guess blaming everyone around me but myself. You know, I, in my heart, in my heart of hearts, like everything I was doing, I, I was judging like my, my intentions. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I have a good heart. But like, we're like, I was judging myself on my best intentions. The world was actually judging me by my actions. And I was, I was garbage. I, I, I got into a lot of fights. And I think as a teenager, I could blame everyone and everything for my circumstance. You know, if I had a dad, if I had a family that cared, if, if this didn't happen, if that did happen, if I had their childhood, if I didn't have that child. But it is what it is. I, I, found, Christ, I found Christ in a rehab facility uh, right, right after my 20th birthday. It was a, it was a classic you want to go to rehab or you want to go to jail from the state of Wisconsin? And they, uh, they said, we would really enjoy it if you went to rehab. And 19-year-old Keith said, well, I can smoke cigarettes in rehab, right? And I get real milk other than powdered milk. And so I went to rehab. And on my third day, I was looking out the window. And uh, I found God somewhere in there. I left rehab, sober, and uh, gave my life to Christ at, uh, at the time it was called Bayside. It was a uh, 4th of July weekend of 2002. And then, I, and then, I, then, I, then I, I just lived life then for a couple of years on this slow trajectory upwards, you know, when you get junk taken out and when you start like admitting that I have, I have some, probably some stuff that needs to get rewired in my brain because of however many traumas I had as a child, or just because that's just how I am. Um, it was a slow progression upwards. I have, I have since remained sober and clean uh, since that last stint. Um, and I'll be coming up this, this in April with 20 years clean and sober. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, 
And that, I guess right there, that's a, that, that could be a sermon, right? I found Jesus, I stayed sober, I'm not an a-hole, and I don't lie, cheat, and steal anymore. But so I've been on this steady upward trend, right, for, for, for 19 and a half years. Um, I, I found the love of my life. We got married. I've been with her for 15 years. Fast forwarded to our first child being born, uh, my son Adler. When, he, when, when my wife said she was pregnant, I was like um, a little scared and terrified because I, I grew up with a mom that wasn't around and I guess dudes that she dated and, uh, and they didn't care about me. You know, I was, I was like, they didn't care about me. And that is what it is. That's just, would I have enjoyed it had they? Yeah, yeah, I probably would have, but they didn't. And so I grew up watching like Family Matters and like Full House and, and like I was, I was watching how dads operated. And, uh, and I, knew, I knew that the dad thing was going to happen, right? I told, I told my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm cool if we don't have kids. Like, that's fine. And she's like, no, we're going to have kids. And then that didn't take that long before a kid popped out. So, so there I am. It's, what, 2014? I'm, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not an a-hole anymore. I mean, I'm still pretty banged up in my head a little bit, but I think, I, I think we all are. But I think for the vast majority of us, we all can, like when we, take, when, we, when we take that pause and we're like, we start being truthful about what's going on in here, we're like, dang, I'm, mm, I sure would appreciate something to change. So wife tells me she's pregnant. Pregnancy is, it's a great pregnancy. It's great. Adler is born, healthy, all his fingers and toes, and then I'm a dad. And I, I, don't, I don't have, I don't have a, like a playbook on that. I can't, I can't lie to this kid and pretend to be a dad. I mean, the dads I know just leave. The dads I know just, I guess, just die or leave. I'm reading the Bible now at that point and reading about generational curses and and a lot of my timeline lines up with a generational curse, like the sins of my fathers. And I, I, I figured I had it nipped by then. I'm like, well, I, 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 gave up, I, gave up, I gave up cocaine. I gave up meth. I'm sober. I've nipped this one in the butt. But then like those things that I, that I, I blamed those things that I, I said that they were the reason why I was doing these things, they had left. They're out of my life now, right? The scapegoat had, had, had left stable. And there I am still not knowing how to be a man. I'm, I'm not knowing how to be a dad. So my wife says this. She goes, let's go to church. Sure. Okay. And she said it like this. She said, let's go to church. Uh... If you don't know how to be a dad, I want you to find people that do. And I want you to just, just listen to what, they, what they're doing. Fake it until you make it. You've done it your whole life. You've done it your entire life. Just do it again. And that's what we did. I said, you know, that's, babe, that's, that's a great idea. If, if, I, if, I have, if I have just like a couple chips to put down, like to, to, to a bet to place, I'll put it on Christ. 
Christ had done, had already removed my compulsion to do drugs and drink. He had removed, I hadn't been in a fist fight in like 14 years. Like I, I wasn't lying consistently. I definitely haven't cheated it, uh, on anybody, including her, which again was another miraculous feat. And, uh, and I would be by what definition would say a productive member of society. So um, she said, let's try this church first. I said, whatever, let's do it. We go there, I walk into church. Her message was fine. Um, we both got back in the car and we're like, it's weird. Like, not, like there's like a room full of like 800 people and like not one person said hi to us. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. And she's like, all right, well, let's try this other church. Uh, my friend, my friend her, her name is Nuka. My friend Nuka goes there. I'm like, ah, all right. She's like, let's like call it Life Church. I said, okay, fine, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, we walk in church, uh, June of 2015. And, uh, and we just never left. We'll fast forward a couple more years. Uh, it's now February of 22. And uh, I'm a... I'm a pastor at this church. When I started this journey, I did not think I would ever be given a sermon at a men's retreat for a church I'm pastoring, right? But God had other plans. So I'm writing this whole Christ thing for, I think, what, 14 years. 14 years kind of just idling, kind of just cruising, doing a little bit here, doing a little bit there. I'm talking at like the homeless shelter, I'm sponsoring people, um, going to hospitals and talking with people that are handcuffed to, to hospital beds and tell them how I got out of it. I got out of it by Christ. I got out of it by just going to Christ and he'll remove these things from you. I did that for a steady course of 15 years, which brings me to, to James. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? So someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, so they're not doing anything about it. They claim to have faith, but they're not doing anything about it. Can such faith save them? Can that kind of faith save you? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's where we get the faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So you can have faith, but if you're not doing anything about it, what good is it? I look at a group of guys here, all of which have faith. There's not a person that's not saved in the room. And I ask the same question. What are you guys doing about it? I know that you're hungry for something. You all drove two hours in... in 120 miles in a snowstorm for something. For what? This brings me to Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, 
Like, look at the room, 77 people. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to one another. In a large room full of 75, I think 75-ish are here, we all don't carry the same function, but we're all one body nonetheless. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So when I read 12, I think like, all right, we have a church full of dudes, very talented dudes that all don't have the same talent, but have a talent. God has blessed and gifted each one of you with something. So in, in Romans, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. On a Sunday, I'll play music. It's the, only, it's the only talent I have. If I had something else, I'd do it. I joke to my wife, if I could do anything else, I would. I would switch. I would, I would be a carpenter in a heartbeat. But that's not what I was given. That's not what God blessed me with. He just asked that I use my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, my worship is actual literal sense of worship. I, I lead a worship band. I didn't always lead a worship band. That's why I lead a worship band now, though. I lead a worship band at a church that has all y'all. And a lot of people show up every Sunday. If I couldn't play music, I would be doing something, though. In doing something, I found community. In doing something, I found friends. And I have found real friends in this community. In serving. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Y'all heard that, right? I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like a Hall of Fame scripture, right? Like, people, people know that line and don't even know it's from the Bible. You know, as iron sharpens iron, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Here's the thing, and I have some Cutco guys in here, right? Like, so, so forgive me. Cutco, they're knives. They sell knives. Very good knives. I have several of them. They cut very nicely. But iron sharpens iron. <laughs> As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Here's the thing with that proverb. It's like, it's, it's, it's not real. Like, it's like, it's, the, so that proverb comes in, what, verse 17. There are 16 verses before it that have nothing to do with sharpening knives. And there's like 30 some odd after that have nothing to do with sharpening knives. It's like, it's so, it's like such a random thing. It's just like a bunch of like, like poster quotes, like, you just read 27 and you're like, oh my gosh, I've seen all those like with the eagle flying in the, with a sunset and then like a, a line. It's like, like, like 27 is like the best motivational posters ever. So randomly it says, as iron sharpens iron, so, so one person sharpens another. Thing of it is, it's impossible to sharpen iron with iron. It's like, it's not possible. It's, it's, it literally defies the laws of science. It, it doesn't work. Uh, metals only actually, sh and forgive me, Cutco guys, and fill, jump in if, if, I'm, if I'm off here. Metals, uh, they only sharpen by using a material that is actually harder than the metal it's trying to sharpen. That's the only way it works. Like, you can't, it, it, like, I can't sharpen my mic with another mic. 
right? You only do it with a material that's harder than, uh, than the, the, the material you're trying to sharpen. Two metals of similar hardness only produce heat and friction. So like two metals of equal hardness, and I'm coming to a point here, but remember these, remember these lines. Like two metals of, of, of equal hardness only produce heat and friction. If two people are exactly the same, uh, they have nothing to offer one another. Uh, they actually both remain dull. What community is for me is uh, not iron sharpening iron, because that just doesn't work. If I was looking for iron sharpening iron, I'd, I'd look for someone who's, who's at the same place in my life and, and, and just be comfortable with that. Iron sharpening is iron. You, you, when I want to get better at something, I have to attract other people that are good at that thing I want to get better at, and I have to ask them how to do it. Now, in your life, how often have you, have you caused just friction with another human being, right? If two people are exactly the same, they have nothing to offer one another. They both remain dull. In finance, they say, you get, you get five of your closest friends. You add up their annual income. You divide it by five. And I promise you, that's how much you make. And spirituality is the same. You get five people. You get your five closest and you add up their spirituality, you divide that by five, that's where you are, right? Well, we got a room full of people that Romans would say all have unique and special characteristics and traits, none of which the same. They're further along in some things than you are, and you're further along in some things than they are. You want to sharpen each other? This is a room to do it in. This is it. If you drove two hours in a snowstorm, you want something. It's not a hard sell. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for the toil. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for the toil. Anyone, what's the word toil mean? You don't know, do you? It's fine. I think a lot of times we read the Bible and we just cruise by certain words because we're like, well, it probably means something. But... And it's weird because the, the word toil is the, the entire meaning of the sentence, of this entire scripture is the word toil. Two are better than one because they have good reward for the painstaking work that they put in towards the land and their brother. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the man who has alone for when he falls and has not another one to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold accord is not easily broken. Here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to try something that we've been doing for about a year. I want you to do it tonight. And I want you to, I don't know, just talk. Y'all can talk. All you can. I, I, I've had conversations with all y'all. All y'all can talk and all y'all want to talk. I know you don't feel like it right now, but all y'all can talk. And all y'all want to talk. Or else you wouldn't have drove two hours in a snowstorm. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to break up in groups. Three groups. Two of which will be here. One of which will come with me. We have 75-ish people, so that's about 25 to a group. And I'm going to propose a question right now 
and we're going to talk about it. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to talk. If you have nothing to say, just say that. I got nothing to say right now. But if you got something to say later on, chime in and say it. How many of you guys feel alone? Yeah, half the room. How many of y'all think that no one would understand your circumstance? Yeah, yeah. How many of y'all thought that I was a, I was a cokehead 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Yeah, but look at God. But by the grace of God, there go I. Have I been a pro at this the whole time? No, no. I fought this pastoral thing, kicking and screaming uh, the whole time. The whole time. When you figure out what you're called to do, you just got to do it. And your calling might not be to pastor a church. Your calling might not be to be in a worship band. But you're all called for something. I promise you that. Y'all have talents. It may not be playing in a worship band. But Romans said it wasn't you're going to play in a worship band. He says just give your bodies to the body. And that is your true worship. So we're going to split up. I want you to talk about war. I want you to talk about, I, I, you know what? You might have 20 people uh, and 18 of y'all might say my life is good. But somebody in this room in each one of these groups needs to talk about it. War, spiritual warfare. Storm's coming. And if you don't know that you're fighting in a battle, you're already losing. I want you guys to talk about a tension or a war that you have in your life currently today. I'm a man of, of Christ. I'm a pastor. I'm a father of two, husband. I'm a productive member of society. My life is revolved around serving Christ. And I, I, I would probably be the least likely candidate to say that I am almost at a constant war or battle spiritually every single day of my life. So the unlikely candidate, the person who up here should be telling you, no, life is good, guys. It's, it's not a lot of the time. I wish I had better news. The more and more I have gone to serving Christ, the, the more trials and tribulations I have seen internally. The book also tells me to take heart. He tells me these things so that I may have peace. The world will give you tribulations, but take heart. Christ says, and this is, this is Christ talking to me. He goes, yes, I've told you all of these things, bro. All of it. I've told you all of these things so that you can have peace. And then I go, well, I'm not feeling peace. He goes, I've told you these things so you can have peace. The, eh, the world, the world is going to give you tribulations. Christ is telling me, bro, the world's going to, yeah, the world sucks. It's pretty banged up right now. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What my, what my hope and, and prayer for our church uh, is to start a fire inside of, first and foremost, the men. I need you guys to be better husbands. I need you guys to be better husbands. Like that, first and foremost. I need you guys to be better husbands. I need you all to, 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 to say, baby, you've been doing a hell of a good job, but you, you don't have to do that. God hasn't called you to do that. God has called me to do that. So let me tag in. It's time for me to start carrying the load here. 
I need you guys to be better husbands. I need you guys to be better fathers. I need you guys to be for like, like around your kids, right? I need you guys to be there. I need you to get down on one knee and ask your kids how their day was. I need that. Christ needs that. Your church needs that. Your city needs that. If we are the best that he has put together, and I, I believe that. That's not an exaggeration or a stretch of the imagination. You are the best that this church has to offer. I didn't pick you. I, 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 I didn't pick you for this job. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Sean. You're not doing it for Dallas. You're not doing it for Barry. I didn't pick you for this job. I, got, I need you guys to be better at it. We need to be better at it. Us. We are the body. We all have different talents. We all have different skills. We need to start using our talents and skills for the body. It starts in this room. We get this room better. It bleeds to your family. We get your families better. It bleeds to your church. You get your church better. All y'all, hey, hey, all y'all, we need people at church to like do heavy lifting. I know all y'all like to come to church. It's good, right? Get filled up. Get that cup. Get filled up. Tuesday, maybe you're a little thirsty. Wednesday, you're running on fumes. Thursday, it's like, oh gosh. I need you all to start stepping up at church. It's, it's run right now by a handful of people. But I have a room full of 75-ish dudes. That, that's our job. Sure, I get, like, that's my day-to-day now, but it wasn't always my day-to-day. I've been with the church now as a, as a staff for almost three years. But before that, I was a volunteer. You love something enough, pick up a shovel and start doing something about it. I need you guys to get better at church. Then I need you guys to get better in the community. And I need you guys to get better at your jobs. I need you guys to get better to your neighbors. We are losing a battle. Christ isn't losing a battle. That battle's already won. Book of Revelations tells me that that is a done deal. But like any war, right? With any war, there's casualties. And there are a lot of times when the winning, winning military wins ultimately, but there are times in those battles where they're losing at the same time. And we're right now in a season where we're kind of losing. We're losing as men of Christ. We're losing our city. And I, 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 see, I see a group of dudes that, I, I keep referencing, I drove two hours. And hell, if it was, if it was, if it was like, if it was in the summer, that still is a, like a big ask. So I know you guys want it. I don't know what it's going to take for you guys to do it though. I can tell you what it took me to do it. And I just did for the last 45 minutes. The more I, the more, the more I serve Christ, the more I serve Christ, the voices in my head stop. That's it. If I had a better answer, I'd give it to you. The more I serve Christ, the more peace I have. I have reaped benefits. Like I have become a better husband and a father. A generational curse will be broken. It's not like a maybe. It's, it will be broken in my family. My, my last name will no longer be held in regard of murderers and thieves and cheats. That's what I get out of it. It's just sanity. Just sanity. Peace of mind. But it wasn't too long ago where peace of mind seemed like it was an impossible task. I'm, I remind you that, remember, the Bible is a consistent 
book of books that always use the most unlikely candidates to do God's will. I'm an ex-drug dealing cokehead meth head. Used to be a drug dealer. And now I'm a pastor at a church and I just gave you a sermon. Did I do it? No. Nope. God had several opportunities to knock me out. Didn't. Us as men, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, why? God, you had your chance. You didn't take it. Why? I think you guys need to start asking the same question about yourselves. No matter where you are, why? Why am I in this circumstance right now? Why am I here right now? Why do I feel this way right now? There's a battle between good and evil going on. I want you guys to talk about it. And uh, yeah, let's pray. Let's finish this thing out and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, thank you for this group of dudes. Give them everything that they need uh, spiritually to get over their hurdles today. Clear their minds, drop their hesitations. We ask that you uh, take this night and rewire our brains, rewire how we act, rewire how community has told us we should act among a group of dudes and just change us. Help us become better at what we do for you. Protect these guys. Make sure that whatever they do tonight, they're safe with it. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Cool.